going to ask you to open up to the 8th chapter. We're going through the Gospel of Matthew right now. We're going to hear the uh, Gospel in the 8th chapter of Matthew. So, got a Bible, open it up, and we'll take a look together. And when he came to the other side, to the country of Gadarenes, two demon-possessed men met him, coming out of the tombs, so fierce that no one could pass that way. And behold, they cried out, What have you to do with us, O Son of God? Have you come here to torment us before the time? Now a herd of pigs was feeding at some distance from them, and the demons begged him, saying, If you cast us out, send us away into the herd of pigs. And he said to them, Go. So now, so they came out, and went into the pigs. And behold, the whole herd rushed down the steep bank into the sea and drowned in the waters. The herdsmen fled, and going into the city, they told everything, especially what had happened to the demon-possessed men. And behold, all the city came out to meet Jesus. And when they saw him, they begged him to leave their region. The reading of God's Word. Lord. So... What does it tell you when you're going to talk about the demonic and your, the first page of your sermon notes goes missing? <laughs> no lie. But yeah, I, I'm sort of able to reconstruct, I think, the basics of it. But like, what is that about? All right. So we're, we're talking about in the Gospel of Matthew, we're dealing with what does the kingdom of God look like? And Jesus first teaches about it in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 5, 6, and 7. And then Matthew writes about how he demonstrates what the kingdom looks like. And last week we looked at these healings, healing of the leper, healing of the centurion, and the healing of Peter's mother-in-law. And what that spoke about Jesus crossing those ethnic boundaries, crossing purity boundaries, crossing uh, gender boundaries, and, and reaching out with the power of the kingdom and healing. So... One of the other demonstrations, the way we see Jesus operating, is in three primary areas. Beyond his teaching, he demonstrated in the power of healing, power over nature, and the power over the things of, of, of demons. And so this is, again and again, there's many examples through the Gospels of Jesus doing this, of, of these areas. So whenever you talk about this, it's, you know, it's in our time in 2019 now, um, you tend to get a couple of responses when you begin to deal with the demonic, right? If you ever talk about this, people look at you a little like, um, come on, you know, like that's sort of medieval talk or um, because we live in a very Western rationalistic and, you know, it just seems people are quite skeptical that the demonic exists. Um you know, maybe in you know, primitive cultures it does, but we've sort of, you know, rationalized our way out of that or whatever. I, I, I could sit here and give you anecdotal examples of seeing that. I can tell you that just as a, as a Christian and believing the Bible really doesn't have any indication that Satan operates any differently now than he did then, that the devil and his operation is a reality. Now, we think of ourselves, we've been trained in sort of the media thing of the exorcist, if you're of that age, in the 70s and beyond, of all these dramatic ways. Can I just tell you that the Bible teaches Satan is, is, a, is smart. He's intelligent. And so for him, he, the last thing in the world he wants to do is to be known and to be recognized so that people deal with that. And so I think, again, we, we need to think biblically 
And we're not leaving, we're not checking our intellects at the door, but I want to offer to you some things that I think this scripture teaches us about because I don't really like to preach, frankly, on the demonic. There's, there's a lot of other things I'd like to talk about, but the reality is the Bible talks about it, and the Bible deals with this, and I think we are, um, if we completely ignore it, I think it was C.S. Lewis who sort of, I don't know if he's the first one to say this, but if we, devil has two tricks, to completely ignore him or to give him all the credit and to see him everywhere. And there's always the the balance that we have to strike in these things. When I was uh, working in Central Florida as a youth pastor, I I remember a, a family who uh, had two precious girls, and uh, the w- woman brought the younger girl in and just said, my daughter, she was about, I don't know, eight or nine at the time, and she just said, she's being tormented by these nightmares. And I thought, oh, wow, well, you know, what do we do? And my my mind went to, um, you know, soothing songs or to, I don't know, all sorts of things. And the the um, head pastor there said, well, let's first ask that God would deliver her, that if she's being, we don't know exactly, we prayed for the, the, the discernment of spirits. And we just prayed, Lord, if this is something being influenced by spiritual realities, and we prayed over this girl. And to watch the transformation of this family as she was delivered from that struck me of, wow, without anything else, just there was a spiritual component and reality to this. In one way, a very like nightmare seemed whatever. Um, so I want to I talk about this, but first I want to just say one thing. When we deal with this, there can be fear that can come in. And so if you're here and at whatever age and you think, wow, we talk about this, it really can make me afraid. Let me just give you assurance. Greater is he who is within you than he who is within this world. And if you have now, uh, if you decide you're going to tackle the devil on your own, I don't have the same level of assurance, but I want to give you the freedom to not fear No fear, because the blood of Jesus Christ, his sacrifice, his life for us is more than enough. And there's, I'm going to post on this, I have a lot of scripture, I'm not going to list it, but I'm going to, I'll make available, ask Jill to make available on the website, a whole bunch of scripture that deals with this. But I want to offer um, from this story, if you uh, have your Bible, I want to encourage you to open to, to Matthew chapter 8 and just look at this one story, one of many that the gospel deals with. This, there's other, um, uh, uh, this story is also told in Mark and in Luke, so not just in Matthew. When we learn a few details, Matthew mentions two people. Uh, in his story, one primary that is dealt with in Mark and Luke, the same story, but he sort of tackles one of the two people. We know that two men had demons in this tomb, tombed area. So first, let's talk about where they were. Sea of Galilee, Jesus was on Capernaum, which is in the north side. It's a Jewish part. On the south um, west side, of southeast side of um, the lake is the Gadarenes. It's an area called the Decapolis, 10 cities, and it's a generally Gentile area of the, the Sea of Galilee. And you would know that by the fact they were herding pigs, right? That's an unclean animal. One of the indications you would have that this was not a Jewish area was that they wouldn't have, you know, had been, been selling pigs for food. The 
the fact that Jesus comes over, and uh, I think it's Luke tells us he's doing this to get away from the crowds. We talked about the fact that crowds were now building, and Jesus' hindrance was being, uh, uh, he was being hindered in his movements by the crowds. So he gets off the boat in there, and he's in a, a tomb area, probably rocks and cave-like tombs. And there's two men that rush out, and they just look mad. They just look insane. We've got the uh, picking up in verse 28, two demon-possessed men. The word there, let's just talk about a word, diazomai, uh, it's translated demon-possessed. Not, not sure how to quite look at that because you can look as if they had no ability to choose or whatever, and I don't know that that was true. Probably a better word, you know how we use the word DUI, driving under the influence, DWI. Think about under the influence of demons, and it can be very severe or less severe. It just, you know, there's cases where, um, you know, we'll, we'll see some other cases in Scripture where the severity wasn't of this, but they were at some level influenced strongly by demons. Uh, possessed, yes, but uh, how much of their rationality was taken away, we don't know. But in this case, they were under a severe influence. They came out of the tombs. So the tombs is a a place that's unclean. In Jewish thought, you would never enter a a graveyard. It's like for us, we still have. It wouldn't be appropriate to play soccer in a graveyard, right? We don't, we have this sense there's something inappropriate about that. People don't live in graveyards and tombs. So first thing to remember here, demonic forces drive us to places God doesn't have us flourishing. And you may think, well, that just, that just, I mean, that's obvious. It makes sense. Can I tell you that I think a lot of people live under influence of demons, and it's not in graveyards, but they push you to areas to live in, in, in a place where God doesn't want you to be. And so they were living in this tombed area, and they came out and says they were so fierce, no one could pass that way. So they were hindering the commerce. They were hindering people's movements. Uh, you know, I'm sure, I, I'm guessing that people around there just thought these, these guys are out of their minds. We just, remember, don't, don't stay away from there. Jesus comes on to there. There's no sense he was intending to go there or whatever, but along the way, he comes across people who were under this influence and Jesus doesn't. Remember, people were avoiding them. It says they wouldn't go by that way. People were avoiding that, but Jesus didn't. He walks to them. And he interacts with them. And they start the conversation because the demonic forces recognize the divine in Jesus. What have you to do with us, O Son of God? This wasn't a term yet that people were recognizing, but the devil knew that the life had changed. The kingdom had come because the king was there. And so he, they say, have you ever, have you come here to torment us? before the time. That's probably the time when God is going to deal with all this evil that's in the world, in the demonic realm. But here they are operating in these men. And then it's speculation as to why they asked to go into the pigs. It could be a picture of what's going to happen in terms of the last day as Revelation talks about demons plunging into the lake of fire. I, I don't know. Pigs were unclean animals. We could speculate about why, but they've asked for permission to be here. And what we see is that this is the second point, kind of, is that the demonic forces want to live. 
in something that they can manipulate. Ideally, they want to live in in people. They want to influence people. And so in this case, they go into the pigs, and we see that the pigs' actions and attitudes, that they run off and are drowned in the sea. The herdsmen fled. They go into the city. They're told everything. They're clearly freaked out, especially what had happened to the demon-possessed men, which were what? We learn in Luke and Mark that now these men are changed. They're no longer under the influence. They, we, we learn, and I believe Mark, that they're, they're cutting themselves. They're self-injuring under this demonic influence. So they see the men now in their right minds, and in Mark and Luke point out that these guys are now talking rationally, and they're able to now live back in community, like the leper last week was able to be integrated into community again after being healed of this impure disease. Behold, all the city came out to meet Jesus. And what did they do? They asked him to come and help them out too. They begged him to leave, right? Very likely a Gentile region. For whatever reason, Jesus was interrupting their lives. They weren't so concerned. They may have been because of the commerce of the pigs. This was for sale, right? This is their their livelihood. For whatever reason, whether that's it or not, they they wanted they begged Jesus to to leave because he was going to disrupt their lives. You have to tread carefully when talking about this issue because if we identify some people rush to identify and say oh well clearly they're demonic clearly something is demonic i think we have to really pray for the discernment of spirits to know some people would say would never look at a situation and say oh there's a demonic influence in that i want to speak to that right now because i think for us where we live in our area that's more the issue for us. So if if your issue is you would think, oh well, they're demon possessed or whatever. Let me let me just give you some four just sort of general thoughts and then a story. First of all, as Christians, can you please not be so influenced by a materialistic, rationalistic Western culture that you close off the possibility that demonic influences are real? would like to play havoc in the lives of Christians and in spiritual warfare and that we would be alert and that basically you would put up your antenna and say, Lord, would you please make me aware? Would you please teach me how to discern the spirits? One of the gifts of the Holy Spirit is a discernment of these spirits. And so would we ask and be sensitive to this? Now, I think we have to be um, uh, wise in what we tell people because you and I do not have perfect understanding and discernment. And there are a lot of things that influence people. There's medical and, and physical things that influence people. There are emotional scars, like traumatic incidences. There's many things that influence people, and we are a whole part and parcel of our our body, soul, mind, spirit, all these things. But if we neglect the spiritual condition of these things, if we don't ask the Lord to show us and to make us aware 
of what's going on spiritually. We've, I think, closed off an area that God wants to speak healing and bring his kingdom into. Because the Lord is no less interested in freeing people from demonic bondage now than he ever has been. Just like he wants to bring us the wholeness of life. And yes, we have to walk in freedom from sin. And we can't just say, oh, well, that person, you know, uh, drinks too much. He must have a spirit of alcohol. Well, maybe he just needs to not drink as much and to say no to that or any other area. Let's not, let's not over attribute, uh, things where God simply wants us to walk in purity. Um, I was, interested when I was reading all the accounts. I went through all the accounts in the, in the Gospels of demonic influence. And some of them were quite interesting to me in the range. This is one of these severe incidences where you have people um, cutting themselves and, and, and screaming and acting like what you might think of in a Hollywood script. But it says when Judas went to take the Last Supper, it says he dipped the bread with Jesus as taking it. And he says, and Satan entered Judas at that moment. And then Jesus said to him, what you do, do quickly. Jesus is preaching in a synagogue and a man stands up in the middle of a synagogue and begins to yell at him. And Jesus says, come out of him, you unclean spirit. Can I tell you that this man was probably part of the synagogue congregation in Capernaum, Jesus' hometown, where he lived. He's probably a guy known to the congregation. I doubt it doesn't seem like he was someone that wasn't there. But when the Son of God got up and read Scripture, something within this man, the demonic influence in him. So it can range from things that seem like, wow, if you see someone just out of control, but but there's a wide range uh, of this. So the scripture shows us, and if, if I went through all these, you'd be amazed by the different things. One thing that I found quite interesting is that Jesus sometimes dealt with uh, a demonic influence over something like muteness or ep- epilepsy. And sometimes it wasn't. It was just a healing. There's a time when he says he cast out something where there was, where was an epileptic seizure kind of thing. And then sometimes it says... Um, epilepsy and demoniacs, and they separate them as if it was so. It's 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 not absolutely clear when is when, what is what. Finally, deliverance is part of the good news of Jesus. Not no fear of the devil is warranted. God's word. Prayer, fasting, and faith are all mentioned prior to the armor of God, which is in Ephesians 6. But these things, God's word, prayer, fasting, and faith, in conjunction with the means of grace to deal with the demonic. Where does that leave us? I don't know about you, but I'm not Jesus. I walk into situations and I, I, I see things that I said, Lord, is there... What's going on here? How do I, in my humanity, look at these situations? Because, guys, I, I get like, what if I make a mistake? What if I don't um, uh, discern this properly? A, will, will I do more harm than good? 
So let me just tell you just, just from my heart, okay? I don't have perfect answers in any of these things, but I want you to turn to 1 Peter. And it was on my page. It's missing in my notes, so I'm going to take a second here to make sure I've got the right First Peter 5, verse 8. Here's how I want to live and walk in this. I don't want to be arrogant, offensive, and bold to say I know perfectly, but I don't want to be timid because sometimes God's going to ask us to step up to the plate and to, with humility but with clarity offer to someone, you know, I'm, I would be glad to pray with you and for you that if this is an influence of the devil, we need to take a stand against this. And it may be in your own household with things that go on with friends or whatever. And people may think, whoa, you're getting crazy talk. Let me just ask you this question. Would you rather leave someone who you had the power to help them and heal them, or would you rather be thought crazy? Again, I try to take a humble posture in this and say, I don't know, but why not offer to the Lord the opportunity? So let me read you this. This is First Peter 5.8. Here's what this follower, this disciple of Jesus And after walking with the Lord and watching this, he says this, be sober-minded, be watchful. First thing, be watchful, be alert. Why? Because your adversary, the devil, is prowling about like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. Resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. So there's a few things I take away from this. Be watchful, be alert, be aware. The devil is trying to devour people. Sometimes I think it seems like he's winning. He's devouring people's lives. And you and I are part of the army to be able to bring the gospel and the kingdom through prayer, through faith. And again, I... I um, could offer you lots of anecdotal stories um, about different things I've seen and experienced where I believe that uh, the, the devil's had influence. The devil has influence in many ways, trying to send darts, trying to get us to sin, get us off the track, but he specifically is sending demonic forces to try to uh, wreak havoc in people's lives. And so as we take seriously this, listen, resist him. Resist him. How do we resist him? I'd go back to those things that I spoke of before. We bring God's word into situations. We pray, we fast, and we stand in faith. Firm in your faith. And here's a sobering thing. It says, knowing the same kind of suffering are being experienced, because when this was being written, Christians were suffering. And I think Peter's trying to bring a message of, well, that's part of that, but know that you aren't alone in this. After you have suffered a little while, verse 10, the God of all grace who's called us to eternal glory in Christ will himself restore, 
confirm, strengthen, and establish you. To him be the dominion forever and ever. Amen. Satan doesn't get the victory. Okay, He doesn't get the ultimate victory. Jesus has won that. Um, I... <sighs> I want us to be fully biblical, fully thinking Christians. I know we live in a world where uh, we have to be wise in what we say and how we say it. But I would rather be Jesus to people. And if people think I'm a little whacked because I would offer the fact that demonic influences would come I want to be someone who in the the boldness and power of Christ would offer healing at any level. The same thing would be if if someone said, um, you know, I'm sick. And I say, can I pray for you to be healed? Some people are going to look at you like whatever. But if they get healed, if the Lord blesses that, can we be bold in our faith? It's the same thing with the fact that someone who doesn't know the Lord Jesus and would we believe, would not spend eternity with him, can we be bold enough to say, do you want Jesus Christ in your life? That can seem whacked out too to people. But guys, if we're so reluctant to step on anybody's toes that we would never bring up anything that would ever offend anyone, we won't say anything and we'll be silent to the grave. And I just think it's a shame. I got the privilege of... After many, many years of of Tiffany Boone praying for her dad, before, um, you know, this Monday, I was privileged to pray with him to receive Jesus after 15 years of his being hardened to the gospel. He's very sick. Unless the Lord heals him, his cancer will take him away. But when you watch a man be transformed in, I mean, he was so ready. It was the easiest time to bring someone to Christ. He was practically, as I walked in the door, he was saying, I need Jesus in my life. And was it sickness? Well, eternity will do that to you. (laughs) But you know what? There's many ways people call out to try to deal with that. And he watched a daughter and others who lived their faith in front of him for decades. And you know, Jesus is pretty wonderful. And he wants to free people from the bondage of sin. And he wants to free people from sickness. And he wants to free people from demonic influences. And you can't force them. But if we can't offer them Jesus to do this for us, we aren't being the church. Can you pray with me? Jesus, I'm sober talking about this because I feel um, so inadequate. I see your word and I believe it and I offer it, but I don't know what to do in every situation. And When I see people walking around seeming out of their minds, I don't know if it's demonic or not. Lord, I don't. Lord, when I see people under the influence hurting themselves, I don't know if it's specifically demonic oppression or or other things happening in their lives, I I don't want to force something. But Lord, I know your word is true. And I know that you've called us to live differently and to be a light and to offer hope and truth. Because people don't know what to do and we're 
we're sometimes doing things that, that I think avoid the truth and just deal with symptoms and not the root. And ultimately, the root of our problem is we've rebelled against you and we've decided you don't exist and, and we've decided as a culture and as a world that you're just a myth. And Lord, we're like those pigs rushing to the sea, hurtling headlong to our doom. Lord, thank you for choosing us and me and rescuing us. And Lord, would you allow us in the humility of, of imperfect knowledge to offer what we have, which is Jesus Christ and him crucified. And if we make a mistake, forgive us. But Lord, help us not be silent. Help us to bring Jesus into every situation. Thank you for Brad Arbogast being with you. I don't know if he's still alive or not, Lord, but I thank you that this week of his life has been the first week of his life of an eternity he'll spend with you because he chose to trust you. Lord, I thank you that every one of us can choose to, to be born again, to live for real, not just earthly living, but we can live forever. Show us how, Jesus. Make up the difference where we're weak. Be strong. Help us to walk by faith. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.